You go to a party. You talk to a guy. It's sort of boring. Everyone's in jeans. You're so embarrassed for wearing an outfit. If I was in New York and not LA, I could wear an outfit and not feel completely insane and retarded. You talk to another guy. He ends up talking about his high school or his job. You feel alone. And you also feel completely unalone. Almost like everyone's your loser ex. Ugh. You feel a hundred and ten years old. Why have you never felt gorgeous and never felt gorgeous and 19. But what's your age again? You drink a drink, your tongue turns blue. Fuck yeah, sparks. You wave goodbye and drive away. That's all. That's enough, you say to yourself. You go home, you have another dream. You go to work or go to school. That's normal, right? Life being exciting and never really paying up. Never really giving all the way back. Absolutely never back in the way you want. Life is never fully silent and beautiful and totally debauched. Sexy and stupid and following her around with an SLR camera. Long brown hair, totally crass. Fucked up, yet clean. Jesus, she looks like she's having fun. So you put on the music in your car. You pray for another day. Another hopeful moment. Another party. There's always another party, right? Because after all, the world doesn't end with a bang, but a whimper. This is part four. The final part of the Corey Kennedy story. We are Corey Kennedy. Really? No, I agree with okay, you. Yeah. I need to hear this. Martha kind of brought this to my attention, but I do watch yeah. Thirteen Reasons Why, and I was like, "Wait a second, hmm. this no, is okay, literally this is Skins Part Two. I was talking to my friend, a friend of the pod, Jesse, about this last night. I was like, "I think what's happening is just people our age are getting into media positions. Like, we're, oh, interesting. we're moving up the ladder. People are starting. There are people who are like." putting music on TV shows who are our age and they're like, what about that band I liked when I was a teenager? But even like call, the fact that Call Me By Your Name resuscitated Sufjan Stevens, like I was right. like, that caught me off guard. Like I was yeah. like, well, I'm not ready for this. But that was that. also like premature. Right. Mm-hmm. That was premature. And that was an interesting movie too, like in a similar way where it's like, I don't think men that were that age in the 80s ever had a seminal reconstruction of that Mm. moment and that's actually also Mm -hmm. I think a huge reason why it was so scandalous because so many people were like that's not my story Mm. but then also Mm. it's like you have Luca Guadagnino being like well this was mine you know like even though he didn't write it that was a book but Mm -hmm. like you know it's like 
that was an interesting culmination of like you're hitting the millennial generation really where it hurts with the fucking Sufjan shit. Yeah. But then you're also hearkening back to these men that were growing up gay during the AIDS crisis, right. but they weren't mm-hmm. old enough to have all of their fucking friends die around them, mm-hmm. but they were aware of what was going on. Like it's like it's like that's yeah. an untap like yeah. that name me another fucking movie made recently about that time. You can't. It's right. like that's an untapped. Like, yeah. But but that's men, not the AIDS crisis. Well, that's about gay men that are under the age of 20. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. yeah. There's tons of movies about the AIDS crisis. Well, not tons. Don't <laughs> attack me, films. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Millions. It's a crisis, honestly. <laughs> the AIDS movie crisis, more like it. You know, no, I'm not saying that. Obviously, no. let's keep talking about the AIDS crisis. We have not even yeah, really scratched that best. surface yet. Yeah, yeah. But. You know, I don't think the the nicheness of mm-hmm. Call Me By Your Name, I think, was really what it's like. He's dancing to psychedelic furs. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. Love My that's Way. True. That was like a crazy niche reference. Like, yeah. I, I, that my, the, Gen X was so self reflexive in terms mm-hmm. of like in the early. 90s of like reality bites and yeah, like sure. the Jeanine Garofalo they icon. Really captured the they captured the moment, but they never got to reflect on their childhood. They never yeah, got to reflect true. on, be- they, but they could reflect, hi, I'm 23, talking about be- being 23. Yeah, they started true. that thing. That's true. Yeah. But like they never got to process the fact that they were my sub genre, also favorite obsession is. Charlie Manson nobody's talking about yeah nobody's the Gen X generation yes never really fully got to process maybe a little with Linklater you know dazed Mm -hmm. and confused and boyhood and stuff but it's like there's not a lot of evidence about the Gen X experience of being a child you could maybe argue Todd Salons Mm -hmm. maybe with maybe welcome to the dollhouse maybe Mm -hmm. but it's a female character he's well he's also a gay That's Libra man, but uh, but yeah, there's it's it's an interesting dichotomy of like when will we be able to reflect? Yeah, I think it's interesting that we're bringing up all of these movies because I feel like we talked about Call Me by Your Name last time. Did we? I don't know. Why do I have a memory of mm, that? That's interesting. I don't think we did. Maybe we talked about but it, but I love talking about it. But like, like I think that there's something about indie music, and yeah, the indie period that is really similar in sentiment to Call Me by Your Name, mm. and that I think that there's something a little bit utopian about both of them. Yes, that like the indie period was such a weird and congruous utopian. Yes, it was earnest, time. randomly it was earnest. It's also ironic. It was like, yeah, we can't. Well, ironic is something else. I think that's actually being hipster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, indie but indie music was, was weirdly pure. And yes. it was earnest and it was like intellectual in quotes. Yeah. And it was um very white. And yeah, I think very that's white. Also the same thing as called me by your name. It was like creating this sort of nice little jewel box. That was yeah. Like free of angst, kind of. Mm, like, interesting. Well it had a lot of pining. Okay. Not a lot of angst. Right. Interesting because okay, going back to what I was talking about with the prototype. I wonder if, because now we're seeing things like 13 Reasons Why, whatever, and you're saying that, like, we're growing up and becoming executives and rising the ranks and whatever. But I do also think that indie, <laughs> we're all executives. And, you know, <laughs> At this we, can, point, we're all we can talk earnestly yeah. here. We're yeah. all executives. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> um, I do think that it was, it's also a weird thing that I think people are catching on to the effect that indie music had yeah. on people that was 
weirdly um apolitical mm. it was it was a weird genre of music that was somehow apolitical but also like able to elicit really strong emotions in yes. people like i remember just fucking crying to bony bear and shit like that you know it's like so it really yeah. like it, it it's a weird it's like a shot like right to the heart and i think that people I think that it was earnest in that time and like yeah. indie musicians were creating things and whatever and it was like organic and happening. And now I wonder if people are realizing that it's like just a really effective tool mm. to put an indie song in a show because it like is a workaround to just get people to feel something. And it's kind of the same thing right. with Facebook to Instagram of like that was the prototype era. And now we're taking what was effective from that time and using it now to make money. Well, you know. I also think that the indie world, as it stood, and we're talking about the Patriot Act and stuff as well, which I think is essential, and we don't talk about the Patriot Act enough, I think, no, in this. We in constantly this, like, talk about no, it. No, it's, it's, it's incredibly important. Yeah, it really it is. is, like, this shocking thing that happened without us realizing it. That's colored, like, every, every aspect, aspect of, life, of our lives. Percent. And yeah. I think there's, like, this unconscious, especially, like, during the beginning of the Iraq War, and there was this apolitical moment after the war protests mm -hmm. of almost, like, pure surrender. Yep. And I think, like, it was an unconscious, real unconscious and like the beginning of what is now which you know is both good and bad it's like we have like hyper woke culture to the point at which it's it is self-policing but then we also mm -hmm. have like a real investigation of american history i think indie music was this first unconscious mm -hmm morning yes. of like That's we live in America and we have no control over our yeah. information and, our and what is the information and I also there's an amazing play and also book written by previously discussed Jack Levinson called um, it was the circle oh. the square circle we series we yeah no we should that should be like another episode too he, I, I've never met a better archivist of the indie era than no and yeah we should oh definitely God. interview him oh I love yeah. that he's amazing and I love him so much and I've talked to him in private about Corey Kennedy yes. many times and he has this beautiful piece about that era many different pieces about that era um and what that I had to like for one of his like performances I sent in a video of like I pretended to be like an indie musician right. and I created the character with him no it's not Libby Ames it was a I forgot her name oh my god it's like a different character that he wrote but we were discussing it and we were discussing this really weird subgenre of indie music that happened that was like really soulful almost on like <laughs> a racist level in terms yes. of like a lot the of vocal. people were like Ugh, and like t and like yes. singing slave hymns and you're just like okay yes. that's about slavery oh my god please stop <laughs> like it was like this yes. weird like oh, i'm gonna play like my character that i was mocking you know i got like i dressed in like an 1800s outfit and like you know like early arcade fire like what the fuck right. is that like civil war shit um yes truly true. and it was like and i decided in my character in my <laughs> comedic chores to play the spoons because I thought that was like a really <laughs> adequate picture of this idea of like Americana but it was the idea of Americana was immediately too 
the Civil War, which is like a full if if we're looking at it now in 2020, 2020, November 2020, you're recognizing that that's like an unconscious cry from white people to understand the what history the they're involved yeah, it's in. True. There and was that weird subgenre of like full. Also, wait, there was literally a band sub-genre. called The Civil Wars. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or it's like, yeah, why absurd. did or like, why was half of indie music su- suddenly a thousand people on stage playing like the like damn. marching music like broken social scene or, who I or again love, like actually, i don't understand why everyone's obsessed Canadian. with arcade fire everybody is obsessed i don't like them okay <laughs> i don't care who knows it but um it's okay everyone loves them i get it but um sometimes they have a song that you really have to cry to and that's well, okay actually, but they were like that. so like tin drums like it's like what is this war music? Like, this is, like, fucking Sherman's March. It's, like, this is insane. Black Mirror in, like, 2007. Yeah. It was was tackling, 100% was tackling, these Canadians came in and tried to tackle the effects of the Iraq War. If you listen to the lyrics, they're talking about black sites they're talking about bombings and yeah. they're talking about fucking phones right they start that's ta- they're interesting. like dealing with like technology and like the cr- existential crisis of technology right i remember listening to it as a kid and being like what and then <laughs> what? you grow up and you're like oh my god this is like a really this earnest is really dark album about like american existentialism but you're right and it, mm. it, are they canadians yeah yeah they're canadian right they're and canadian. broken social scene is too yeah Weird. Yeah. Well, I do think it's like, yeah, I do think it's like an ever, like, as we are constantly figuring out in this time, too, for those of you who have just read a book, that's whatever, um, you know, like everything is a product of everything before it. It's like really, a, I think it's a direct link to right now. And it's also a direct yeah. link to the indie world and the Sufjan Stevens, like, mm-hmm. remember the 50 states of <laughs> Uh-huh. Americana. Two, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, show me an indie band or songwriter who wasn't doing Americana. Right. They were all, even yeah, like they Regina were all Spector, who was I'm Russian, did that. I'm in Wisconsin now. And, and you're like, Taylor wow, Swift. you're chopping wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, that's wow, gorgeous. you're chopping wood. That's gorgeous. Oh God, you're chopping wood. I was screaming about this. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift did folklore, and I was like, that was indie revival. Yeah, yeah, it is indie revival, and yeah. like Cottagecore is like a different right. level of That's indie revival. I like that is I like Cottagecore because we're going into like a deeper hardcore like eighteen hundreds. <laughs> like sure, it's like yeah. it's crazier. It's like yeah. running water. No, yeah, and it's like we're all wearing we're still really crazy dresses. <laughs> Rowan Oak. Yeah, <laughs> it's like still chaos. Yeah, <laughs> chaos is still reigning in the early. But it is like it is this crazy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, questioning yeah. of what like essentially would be like like woke politics and also like woke pandering a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's how sometimes it felt or feels retrospectively like looking at all this Americana shit from indie world. It's like, what are you trying to do? Like be the good guys? Like I don't get it. Like yeah. what are you talking about? But um, it yeah. I I definitely think it's like all unconscious. Mm-hmm. Like the beginning of the 21st century, as we like bleed these informations mm-hmm. constantly as the internet ever expands, of these like hidden histories that I guess previously like were only <laughs> published in Howardson novels. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, again, don't know how not everybody has read Howardson, but like, I don't, it's a, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. And it's fully, fully now, equally as much as Corey Kennedy is. 
it's yeah i mean i think that's what we're doing with this podcast is we're trying to get everybody up to <laughs> charting speed. history yeah oh, I'm, I'm sorry that i'm like well, getting think, really mad at everybody no, <laughs> no we, because I like also to yell at our but also it's like time. it's like i never know like with me being angry about people like you guys never knew about the stomach racism or whatever um <laughs> there is also an aspect of it where it's like perhaps we all did know and we weren't talking about it or perhaps like yeah. the the information is really for like the Gen Z kids and I'm just seeing it. I don't know. Like I, I don't I know. I think it's honestly for like the Gen X or I think it's for people older than the us. Need to do a little They're the ones who case. are like literally <laughs> but they invented it. What are you talking about? Um, the, but not but then they like blacked out <laughs> no, and were like whatever. Like, I don't Gen know. Gen X I think was a little bit too like mm. I kind of hate Gen X. Yeah, they're so bitter. (laughs) They are a little bitter and they're They're so bitter. They're a bit... I think they never... I don't know. I'm like... I don't want to shit on Gen Xers because some of... They're so brilliant as well, but... That's true. That's fair. I really am... uh, You know, it's a hair trigger for me. No, I got it. No, it's a hair trigger for most people. I wonder, like... I don't know why. Go ahead. I mean, I just, you know what, now I don't know. Okay, well, I was just going to say, since we we were talking about that facet of indie music, it's like, going back to the Corey Kennedy of it all, there was simultaneously another subgenre of indie happening that was, I, I, like, need some help from my goyles, like, deciding (laughs) what term it is, but, like, I'm thinking, like, klaxons, like, peaches. I mean, Justice was just, like, French, like, like, like electronic but there was like this weird like like remember mickey avalon yeah no yes we didn't mention the way that we let him just do what he did it's like really sick we were like okay the amount yeah no that's psychotic it was like i mean mickey avalon is a criminal i guess but like (laughs) probably i'm obsessed with him and he so many people when i talked about like I crashed a Hollywood Roosevelt party and he was there or whatever right. when I was like 13 right. again like my <laughs> my best friend Jake was like you didn't crash parties like you little Riri and I'm like <laughs> I did I wasn't part I was literally like invisible I was an invisible child right, at a party like I wasn't teenagers. like rocking out I was just yeah, like you were I crashed surfing. a party at a hotel and I stood in a corner and, and you were like, like oh my God. Like, I wasn't like yeah we are young we are yeah. free like I was not <laughs> doing that but I did get a lot of people I got two people telling me that Mickey Avalon was their first kiss. <laughs> when I, when I, when I, yeah. So that's sort of Who gross. That? No way. No, he was that's sort of like infamously, <laughs> he was infamously kissing kids. I guess this is incriminating. I don't want to cancel. Yeah, we can't talk about the kids. I mean, the way that we oh think God, we're going to cancel not again. Mickey Avalon, it's like, girl. I know, now I'm going to get canceled where for even not it? wanting to cancel Mickey Avalon. <laughs> no, but where even is he? We haven't heard, is he even okay? Like, what is he even doing? Is, yeah. But well, there I, is, but it's, but it's, it's a like weird... trash electronic party music. Yeah, it's like, party it's music. It's party it's music. It's party music. It's like, um, yeah, like Peach. Party. Well, Peaches was earlier, but. She was of that moment, though. She was of the moment. And then there was like. Um, the the uh, oh fuck what was that song that was like Sing it. <laughs> that's not my name <laughs> that one okay oh the ting tings yeah. there was that there was like klaxons there was yeah but a lot of things yeah were British. a lot of it was British <laughs> the Arctic Monkey Arctic oh my god wait yeah. I speaking of the Hollywood Roosevelt I was at a party uh 
literally two years ago. Yeah. And (laughs) we can maybe, no, let's leave this in. (laughs) Fuck it. Chaos reigns. (laughs) I was there and I was like fresh off a breakup and I called like my party friend to be like, what are you doing tonight? I need to get drunk and like do something stupid. And she was like, let's go to the Hollywood Roosevelt. And I was like, perfect. And we went there and she goes, oh my God, I think you should hook up with this guy. And I was like, who? And she goes, I don't know. But the (laughs) she was like the Arctic monkey. He, (laughs) she goes, he lives with the Arctic monkeys. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I'm sorry. Did I just, I was like, sorry, did I just he pass out and hit my head and wake up in 2009? Why the fuck would I care about the Arctic monkeys? And I'm like, this guy is so hideous. He's so creepy. And she was like, but he knows the Arctic monkeys. And I was like, girl, not as the only absolute way. and literal way you think that any, who, who even are the Arctic monkeys? It's 20. 18. I was like, who cares? What they don't, trying to do they haven't worked in 10 years, girl. <laughs> he doesn't have his own home. I know. And I was like, He's well, that's surfing. honestly, it's alarming that he lives with the Arctic. You think Can I'm impressed by that? I'm like, this is crazy As to a me. Band, roommates? And then I went home. And I was like, I, I was like, I, that's enough. That's enough out of you. I'm out of here. I fell into a parallel universe where the year was 2010 and everyone was gaslighting me. Like, what do you mean? You're not down to hook up with the Arctic monkeys (laughs) friend. And I was like, I got to go home and go to sleep. I don't know what's happening to me, but the Arctic monkeys are a perfect example of this, like trash electronic kind of like there's like a, they thought they were punky, but it was punky. Like, mind you, like punk is a genre from honey the 70s uh they were that the, they was were political the strokes were punk. yes yeah. exactly yeah. so it's like this apolitical thrashing around yeah um yeah no the british thing was very interesting too mind you britain was our biggest ally in the iraq war so mm. there really was like mm. there was also great point and there was a lot of like visa leniency mm-hmm. during the the bush years for british expatriates so there is like also with australia as well which is why new york became australia but um i so yeah so australia and england were like deeply influencing american culture at the time and also is like nylon nylon but also i think also gave rise to you know Kanye West <laughs> because mm-hmm. they, they, like the way he dressed was also like weirdly in a way American but also very British inspired uh-huh. especially early Kanye with like the polos and mm-hmm. like I don't know it's it, there it's was interesting also the weird French electronic moment with like Daft Punk obviously no. was earlier but like Justice like I like yeah I Justice mean, Uffy, was major Uffy was major Justice was major. I was a big the teenagers fan oh, yeah sure. totally I saw them at Coachella and got assigned object that I still have from the teenagers wherever wow. you are the teenagers I we think love you're you. brilliant it, we know you're listening comedy comedy music by the way we know but you're um listening. but it's a weird yeah. genre where it almost was like like you said this like a political like electronic punk which was it feels kind of like a psyop looking back like it was like oh no like you guys are counterculture but we this was is the not. thing though is I think it's true like um we as a generation were so bombarded with over like 
crises and disasters to a degree yeah. that like no one had ever experienced hypernormalization effect Hyper- right of course yeah and then we and a radical sudden, lack of agency <laughs> right expected to graduate college and get jobs and live mm-hmm. lives and buy homes or whatever and that was like not an option when our first memories were 9 11 it's right. like girl and what yeah. do you think i'm gonna do right no money and yeah. the iraq war ha- like we've talked about this like the iraq war had happened and we had protested it and they had said nice try yeah and yeah so we were like okay so we're we're the young generation the young generation is supposed to change change yeah what's going with the, the paradigm before like we were we're supposed to revolutionize somehow and we were totally stymied and yeah. so mm-hmm. what do we do we go inward we talk about our feelings and we do some drugs and and there's like feel something. and there's also like also as we're coming to realize if you do in if you do turn inwards automatically there's like unconscious political forces that come out like whether yeah. you're aware of it or not i.e Truly, i.e., like the weird Civil War music, like I think was, <laughs> yeah. I think like Perfect. was an unconscious yeah. turning in and being like, I'm a part of the union or whatever right. they wanted I'm on to be. Yeah, weird... yeah, I'm on the union side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. or the weird like '80s part two of like, well, oh, yeah. we have to destruct ourselves. Then, like, that's what I felt that was like palpable in high school to me we was like, ourselves? well, like. I, I kind of like right like we the, we the were, we were very, really very skinny I mean I can't speak for New York and I talk about this a lot like people that I know that grew up in New York I yeah. don't I don't relate to and maybe it was just the valley or whatever it was but I don't relate to the like desire to network or succeed mm. or anything like mm. that was not a part of my childhood or teen sure. years when I was when we were in high school and like the people that I hung out with it was just who could get the most fucked up whose parents were out of town like who was throwing the party who could throw the craziest party yeah, who could be photographed by the way of co- Cobra Snake right it, it was suburban and it was like it was really just about capital was like who could get the most fucked up and like who was the most self-destructive in a weird way like I had friends that would like I mean, I would do like piercing our ears like in class and being like, oh, that's so hard. Like whatever. We're like, right. 13. 13, Exactly. And it was like a weird internalizing of like the cultural or political chaos of like, well, I'm just going to like, I mean, like the fact that like cutting and like Mm. uh, pro Anna Tumblr, like that was the rise. That was the era of that. We were punishing ourselves. We were punishing ourselves kind of. Well, not only for our parents in a public forum, but I do remember me being, as I referenced earlier in this episode where it's like, Mm. I had massive political anxiety very young. I always was hearing like, why aren't the young kids protesting? It was like this big like, you make the, the 60s are gonna, again, yeah. make the 60s again, make the 60s again. Yeah. Right. And it was like, it was an internalization of like the first like essential like surveillance handcuffs we had on our expression where it's like, yeah, we did have to mutilate ourselves uh-huh. as an act of how it's like, why isn't the world insane? I don't know. I'm right. not seeing any like uh, the the hypernormalization only would internalize itself as self I agree with that. But yeah. I also, what's interesting too, because I was also thinking about this, is that Corey Kennedy is weirdly like a great um, icon of like, 
quarantined girl a little mm. bit. And I was thinking about that. And I was talking to my friend Mercedes, who yeah. told me about this like insane oh, yeah. theory that she had about Corey Kennedy. Because I was like, yeah, I was thinking about her. And it's like weirdly crazy how she's like this bizarre like quarantine girl where it's like she sneaks out of her house. She's supposed to be in her house, mm-hmm. but she's out getting fucked up in this these illicit ways which I think we all can sort of relate to because we're all policing each other about how to deal with this virus. And Mm -hmm. Mercedes mentioned that during the first pan pan, like first contemporary pandemic. And this was weird because I like quickly researched it. It was like the flu was actually the first viral pandemic, viral Mm -hmm. pandemic Mm -hmm. that was respiratory. Um, in contemporary time whereas like the the plague is actually a bacterial infection so is right. tuberculosis so viruses are actually that's why they're that's why like we can't you know a vaccine so they're there you we don't really even really understand viruses still and so the beginning of the flu like uprose as mercedes said this sort of uh like cultural world of going to the sanatorium and like these health spaces that were that were like actually a lot of these health spaces were like minimally designed in like art deco fashion in europe however they were also designed on like on like on in like spanish ways in europe where the a spanish layout where it's like you have the house but you have a courtyard or you have an outside space uh, in like as like the outside being this like antiviral space, which we are literally currently right yeah. now experiencing. Um, and that LA, since most of the building in Los Angeles really started in the 20s, mm-hmm. the span, obviously, the layouts of a lot of architecture in Los Angeles is like indigenous influence and Spanish influence, but that Spanish influence also immediately harkens back to the sanatorium laid out of mm-hmm. like meeting in outdoor spaces a lot of like uh apartment buildings in los angeles built in the 20s and 30s always have courtyards um literally mine yeah and it, it and it became like it sanatorium. became it's like not a it's not a like it's not a coincidence as well that la also became simultaneously in the 20th century this this center of quote-unquote wellness mm-hmm. Because literally our architecture is like is bred to be well, quote unquote, like opposed to older American cities, Philadelphia, Chicago, New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And that Mm -hmm. through weirdly like weirdly like through and I this is like hyper metaphor and I should like get another bachelor degree for this. But um, (laughs) but honorary master. If you think about it, I know if you think about it, Corey Kennedy is like escaping her house. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. subverting quarantine laws (laughs) and literally becomes viral. Like there's like the virus is actually intrinsic to the Los Angeles, like Los Angeles is actually built to withstand a virus just mainly on the architecture of the city and how spaced out it is and how much outdoor activity you can have here. Mm. And what's weird is that Los Angeles is simultaneously like the perfect terrain for 
like YouTube stars move. I mean, obviously it's because of the movie industry too, but it's yeah. like movie stars. There's a vi- there's literally a viral ness mm-hmm. essential to LA specifically, which mm-hmm. I was obsessed with Mercedes very like very sudden and quick articulation of this yeah. like very crazy architecture tour of Los Angeles I'm but I was like but yeah. yeah that she became that like she couldn't have been what she was without Los Angeles that's um, true and I do believe that really wholeheartedly that is interesting I, that know, is Mercedes genius. is true genius world. I think so also weird. the Cobra Snake couldn't have been I mean looking back at everyone's Cobra Snake photos like they were mostly outdoors yeah they because were because backyard house you could party. throw house, house parties, parties yeah. and it would be in the backyard and I don't think that New York you know you're in or you're culture, out you're on the street or you're indoors right yeah. I don't think culture there's no mm-hmm. outdoor slash interior like it's still outdoor but it's still private and right. there's no space like that usually in New York where you can be photographed doing drugs outside in someone's backyard. I also, yeah, I also just feel like because, I think we talked about this last time, but because it's so dispersed, I just can't see, Corey Kennedy would just get lost in the sauce. Yeah, totally. Mm, Yeah. Lost in the milieu, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, she, and then, but also simultaneously, I feel like she gave a sense of having access to what I certainly imagined New York was like as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that that to me feels like a place where things happen. Right. And then now that we have the celebrity that things happen to, and that's kind of her whole value, I can watch her and I can feel like I'm, I'm a part of it, but like in my own city. Mm-hmm. Right. And she had access to fashion, which is famously right. not having anything to do with L.A. It's very oh, New York. Yeah. Historically, even though we're really trying, everyone's really it's insisting true. otherwise. Mm, yeah, no. Just like, no. There, there is- was, remember, like, in the hills, like, Lauren L.C. would always be, like, working L.A. Fashion Week. And it would be like, girl, this is, like, bikinis. But what is going <laughs> on so is bad. that, like, international brands are now showing here, which right. is the big thing. But right. I also want to get to some questions. Questions. Oh, yes. So now we're going to be answering some questions mm-hmm. that you Gorgino audience members asked us. Mm-hmm. Some of them are truly unanswerable and we will tell sure. you uh, how they are unanswerable. Mm-hmm. Um, where should we begin? Shall I start? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, one of the questions I got was, and this goes for everyone mm-hmm. at the table. Uh, did you ever oh. run into Corey Kennedy anywhere? No. And the answer is no. No. I've never seen her in person. Again, as I'm going to reiterate, Corey Kennedy is an enigmatic force of hyper personalization. Mm-hmm. And I felt like she was everywhere. And yet I never saw her. Although we were possessed by we her. We were possessed by her. Never I saw never her. saw her. I, I saw I, I we I saw the Cobra Steak many times. Mm-hmm. Never saw Corey Kennedy. Not once. Not even in New York in passing. Nothing. Never. Yeah. Nowhere. However, one person did comment on actually of podcasting fame we can edit this out maybe i don't know uh oh. dasha nekrasova did say that she saw Corey kennedy recently at madison square park or whatever <laughs> and she she didn't know but she thought she was crying 
<laughs> but I but I think that's a projection as we're really yeah. coming to realize Corey Kennedy is a projection of what we are actually desiring and feeling. So we don't know. So we have no idea if Dasha saw her crying or not. So that's that question. (laughs) Answered. 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 No. Answered. Okay, should I go? So my friend Izzy, who grew up in New York, is the only New Yorker that mm. cares about – well, not the only New Yorker that no. cares about Corey Kennedy. The only New Yorker the, you know. The yeah. only New Yorker yes. I know that has a similar experience of idolizing her Got it. in the way that we do. Yes. Um. So she said, I would love if you guys could elaborate on this thing I'm fixated by, which is how her trash look slash style, like kind of what we talked about, mm. is like looking disheveled, looking like you've yes. been crying maybe, looking right. – you know, whatever – um, and not necessarily wearing like couture. It's like wearing American apparel, whatever. But um, she did wear a lot of Chanel anyway. Yes. Her trash looking style was actually accessible to people in the lower classes, i.e. middle school and high school me. And that was part of her appeal. When you guys talked about thrifting, I feel like you could have elaborated more on the class and price element of those kinds of clothes. So what is going on? Um, and how maybe it exploited a lower class's style and or allowed for people of a lower class to feel included in a fashion scene for once. Hmm, so that's kind of what Izzy was talking about to me was why she liked Tori Kennedy because it was kind of like she represented this culture of like you didn't, it wasn't even like lookbook.new or whatever. It was like stuff from American Apparel and, and uh, Urban Outfitter. You know, it wasn't like an unattainable kind of style look. Yeah. look. <laughs> Something that's occurring to me is my friend Tara Lynn was um, pictured on the Cobra Snake and she had accidentally dyed her hair blue on top and green on bottom. She okay. didn't to do it. Okay. And mm-hmm. the Cobra Snake took a photo of the back of her head and that ended up on Rookie and then wow. that ended up being that trend. Yeah. If we remember. I would say that started with my friend who did that accidentally. Wow. And so I'm wondering if this is actually a distribution thing where it was the first time that we were seeing yeah. people who yeah. were being photographed in their real ways. Clothes, yeah. And that they were also kind of people who were involved in some kind of subculture mm-hmm. and that like it was high school kids and like right, I don't know, <laughs> regular folk who were stylish yeah. as opposed to I think I also think that there's like you know like as there is like always like a dominating pervasive style there is always going to be like you know culture as acting is is a series of reactions (laughs) and um what I do want to say about the classes especially like since I am one of the I'm a part of the artist cast. I was raised in the artist cast. I was raised on unemployment checks sometime, a lot of my life, you know. But um, I had, like, quote-unquote cool clothes because I sh- was forcibly made to shop at thrift stores my whole life. Mm-hmm. And that did, like, develop my taste. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can, like, speak to this, like, high-low culture a little bit. And, like, definitely Corey Kennedy was an icon for me because I definitely could attain her looks without yeah. needing to ask my parents for money. I could distress a shirt myself. or With those it, tights. Yes. It definitely was, like, this truly attainable look, even though famously, especially the time I was obsessed with Corey Kennedy, I was fully not – <laughs> so it wasn't like I wasn't like pulling it off and people are like oh my god is that Craig Kennedy with red hair like nobody ever fucking said that to me not once but 
it she definitely was and like I didn't even really like want to look like her mm-hmm. which is also a different thing like mm-hmm. I really love being dramatic especially at the time during my clothes like like I was obsessed with like glam rock of the 70s mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I was like wanting to look like I was in velvet gold mine more than I yeah. wanted to put a headband on my hair but um Corey Kennedy was like a person that was attainable and I yeah. did feel that intimacy with her definitely also I was like a poor white person masking as a rich person on scholarship at private schools so it was like this sort of great equalizer that like the rich girl and me did finally look the same Mm -hmm. um and I can very much attest to that but also simultaneously the indie aesthetic as it were I do think was like a direct response to the hyper brand of branding of luxury items in the early 2000s like Mm -hmm. if you like that is the era of like Dior wraparound shades. It's the era where Marc yeah. Jacobs um, collaborated mer- with Murakami while he was the creative director of Louis Vuitton. Like mm-hmm. it was this like Louis Vuitton being this like sort of like ever pervasive pattern, not only a like it wasn't exclusive to the Louis Vuitton uh, bag that you mm-hmm. could start getting knockoff bags that girls were wearing knockoff bags, uh, juicy track suits. Yeah. There was this like height with juicy on your ass. Like yeah. there was this beginning again of what we're seeing right now of this like hyper brand and hyper branding leisure wear of like, it, I do believe that it was like a direct response in some way to what was happening with Paris Hilton. Like mm-hmm. there is Corey Kennedy directly almost in direct reaction to the Paris Hilton years mm-hmm. that I do think is a, so much more relatable to young girls, so much more relatable to a myriad of <laughs> people. <laughs> but also, mind you, she's a, an incredibly urbane dresser. Mm-hmm. In the sense that she's wearing a vintage tee or she's wearing ripped jeans, but then she's also wearing perhaps her mother's hand-me-down Chanel flats. Mm. She's wearing a used Chanel quilted uh, chain purse. Mm. She's wearing Marnie rain boots. Um, Mm. She also started wearing um, a lot of, like, Subi jeans. I think she's a model for Subi. Is that what they're called? Subi? Oh, whatever yeah and maybe i'm not pronouncing it right um and she also was like wore she like wore the first two like they weren't the first two collections of jeremy scott but they were the first two like really memorable collections mm-hmm. of jeremy scott which was the i forgot what it's called maybe the rock and roll collection mm-hmm. <laughs> which is um and also the caveman collection so it's like leotards with like cartoon tiger print she was seen wearing that she was also seen wearing a leotard with uh like 1950s like cord phones and Mm -hmm. stuff like she was she was dropping some name brands like she really was dropping some fashion designers but it is urbane to me in a way that she's mixing her own clothes with like hand-me-downs or giveaways Mm -hmm. um that I think is very relatable to any uh, like city kid. I think of any class, to be honest. Yeah. I think that's like a bilateral like class. Uh, uh, in in cities, I think everyone's always trying to like pop a little 
pop a little designer in their like pajamas you know that's mm-hmm. a very city look yeah i think also um the recession probably like you're talking mm-hmm. about it being a not a backlash but like a response mm-hmm. to paris hilton and like the branding stuff right like, as soon as the market crashed i feel like it became not that cool to look rich like mm-hmm. out yeah yeah rich or like you could afford fancy things it was like all of a sudden it was about like blending things into your look or like mm-hmm. having more understated or hand-me-down yeah pieces yeah i mean there's also like this I, this thing about it girl fashion in general to me that i find really interesting is that they make pieces look magical mm-hmm. rather than like elegant like there's yeah. a, there's a magic to the way it girls like even if you look at Edie Sedgwick which I do think is like yeah. a direct direct uh like mirror yeah. to the Corey Kennedy identity like yeah she's wearing tights and the leotard they're not we don't know where she got those uh but there is like she's wearing earrings that like like it's like <laughs> it's like it's as if you're walking into like a play chest of precious things mm-hmm. that I do think Corey Kennedy exemplified of like, there's like, she's wearing this with that. She, her tongue is blue from a lollipop and her hair yeah. looks like shit. She, but like, there's blue. writing on your arms. Yeah, there's writing shit. on your arms yeah. and then you're wearing jeans. There's, some, there's something like impish and fairy and like yeah. magical about the way that she wears clothes that I also think is like yeah. direct, like to the fucking heart of young girls in terms of yeah. like when you're a young girl you and you know I still do this like everything is so precious and like yeah every little beautiful thing is a collection because mm-hmm. you're like attempting to define your womanhood yeah. Yeah. um mm-hmm. and she definitely wears clothes like that um yeah I like yeah. what you say about magic magic they feel magical it's like Tense. she's imbuing there's children screaming it's late go to bed yeah, um really <laughs> honey gun to my head I would have said it's one in the morning no, I know. <laughs> like oh my god um but the magical quality of like I think that that is also what we've talked about with it girls with not just fashion but with everything it's mm. like they imbue a kind of magical yeah. or like not mysterious, but like, um, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, je ne sais quoi. It's, <laughs> yeah. well, that's what it is, yeah, right? It like, is literally this unnameable quality of that feels magical because if another person who didn't have it did it, it would be meaningless or whatever. Yeah. But because this person has it or is a conduit for it or whatever, it's like they imbue actions or, you know, statements or, items of clothing with like this magical quality well that's also like yeah. that is like the 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 thing that an it girl does iconically for cl- the class conversation is also very interesting because like i would argue gwyneth paltrow is not an it girl i would argue yeah. that as well um yes yep. never Since i would never that. consider yeah. her well i've talked about we've talked about this Never, I would never consider it since that. we recorded the app with Love Miles, but yeah, that it's that she's more right. of a perfect uh, emblem of like late capitalism than she is an it girl. Yeah, she's like an true. icon. She's not an it girl, and I do think like if we're gonna like really run quickly through all the it girls, like yeah. the she what does, are she the stands out no? Yeah, she definitely, yeah. but she's not she's one. Like, yeah, I mean, she stands out as like she doesn't quite when I run through the checklist Mm. she is missing a few boxes yeah she has some it qualities but I think 
what we kind of landed on at the end of our episode a little bit, or maybe, I don't know, but like that she is more of a perfect embodiment Mm -hmm. of capitalism. Well, yes. And also like, if we're going to like dissect the etymology of it as we're talking about it. Okay. So like Clara Bow wasn't it, Mm -hmm. right? Which is the first I think contemporary she was like the usage first contemporary of girl. that word yeah. in that way. Yeah. So this, the the movie It is about like a poor girl who mm-hmm. works in a department mm-hmm. store who like dresses up and is fabulous. So it's like mm-hmm. fucking Holly Go Lightly is an it girl mm-hmm. because she is she is traversing chronically yeah. high low. That is what an it girl is. Chloe Sevigny is an actress, but she is an it girl mm-hmm. because she's also chronically traversing high and low. Mm-hmm. That is literally in my book. That's what an it yeah. girl makes. Equally as Edie Sedgwick, she was a fucking yeah. heiress, but she's she's slumming it. She's slumming it. Like yeah. there's a slumming quality to an it girl mm-hmm. that does make her a full icon of any class. And also it's like, you're talking about Clara Bow. She literally was like a poor girl from Brooklyn that became yeah. a movie star. Like that is, that is it. That right. is it. And it's like Chloe Sevigny again. Mm-hmm. She's from Connecticut. We're always talking about that she's from Connecticut now. But like <laughs> she was on the streets with Rosario getting yeah. like, you know, yeah. like filming kids. Like there yeah. is this like, and and it girl is this hyper, yeah, like code switching and mm-hmm. effortless code switching. And it's like you're the most glamorous girl at the party anywhere. Mm-hmm. You could be at a Rothschilds event, or you could be at like a hot dog stand, <laughs> and right. you would and be fab. Like, yeah, right. or it's like. Right. The character in Party Girl, same. I was like, just gonna say right, Parker Posey right. and Party Girl. Yeah, it's like she's yeah. sleeping with the falafel man. You know, it's like <laughs> if, if she was sli- sleeping, yeah. and that's also like why I would also argue, like Carrie Bradshaw is not necessarily an it character, even though yeah, she's no. charismatic, but she really exclusively only operates in wealthy situations, yeah. and that, like, she would have to sleep with the falafel man. It's sort of, you know what I mean? To really, to to really like her wearing yeah. quote unquote hideous quote like the ghetto gold jewelry yeah. is like proof she's not in it, girl. But right. she was styled, and this is why it gets complicated by Patricia Field, who's in it, girl. Yes. <laughs> and that's why we're confused exactly and we're like right. cross wiring, and it's like, but you're wearing these crazy outfits, and I it's like fully agree well, because Patricia Field is styling you. Yep. But yeah, because yep. I think it goes back to the thing that we've said before, which is that the it girl is never a surprise wherever she is. She's like, yeah, she could be, like, of course, she yeah, could be so at of course she's here. Art she's opening, here. she could be at in line at a strip yeah. club, a strip yeah. club. She she belongs everywhere, and she yeah, could be anywhere. She's living a full life. I think yeah. that's part of what makes right. an it girl so appealing. Is right? Like, yeah. You're doing what all of us feel we really can. A fascinating, a yeah. fascinating life, fascinating a fascinating woman. woman. Exactly. Fascinating woman. Um, okay, so I'm gonna also. This is the next question. Yeah. And I think you got a similar question too. And I would like to address this. I don't want to like spend too much time on this because like I don't have a lawyer. But um, <laughs> oh uh, yeah, but I I yeah. I know. Okay, so it's please discuss Terry Richardson as parallel to Cobra Snake. But also, uh, 
Uh, and what was your sorry question? to interrupt? Um, it, um, okay, I have to say you all forgot about the New York version of Cobra Snake being Terry Richardson. Oh, flash photography, non Photoshop, the It Girls, Sky Ferreira mainly, realness, and plain American apparel esque aesthetic. I think your problem there is I wouldn't. I would say Sky Ferreira is not an It Girl. So, oh, I think she is. Oh, interesting. I definitely did. So, <laughs> I this is how I feel. Okay, Terry Richardson is absolutely. We can bleep out the name. Who even cares? He is absolutely not the New York version of the Cobra Absolutely thing. not. Absolutely not. And like, the, and, and this will show our like art degrees, but whatever you think about him, <laughs> he's an art photographer. He's an Honeys. He is not Richard a party for is not grog, the New grog. York. That's like saying Richard, Richard Kern. Prince. Richard yeah. Kern. Yes. It's yes. absolutely not. It did not emerge no. organically. It is not. He, they... Art photography is in a vacuum that does not fucking concern me at all in terms of our cultural critique. Honestly, like, I don't care about those people at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're emblematic of their time in any way other than, well, that maybe that's not true. But I think that the Cobra Snake was a movement that was so separate from that. And I don't think... Terry Richardson is the counterpart in any way, and I don't Not think Sky Ferreira is in any way a counterpart to um, Corey Kennedy. Corey Kennedy did it all first, and yeah. I think that if anything, I would say that if we if we use the time the way that the time period evolved as like a map, Corey Kennedy and the Cobra Snake were in the prototype era. I would argue that Sky Ferreira was mm. in the next optimization next, era yeah. where, next gen, where yeah. we're seeing Hetty Slimane. She was famously one of Hetty Slimane's muses. Right. Hetty Slimane sending down, you know, quote unquote couture or what, not couture, but, you know, high end fashion, multi, extremely expensive pieces that look like they were thrifted. Right. That he literally goes to thrift stores and like knocks off vintage clothes and sends him down a poorly styled runway for, right. you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. They are the commodification of Corey Kennedy. Yes. They are yes. not yeah, the counterpart to Corey right. Kennedy. Yeah. They are trying to sell, they're trying to repackage and sell us Corey yes. Kennedy. Yes. To which I say, no thanks. Yes. Been there, done <laughs> yeah, because that. it was Good free sir. at first and it yeah. was better when it was free. And also Sky Ferreira was iconically still in braces when the Cobra Snake was running around. Slay. Yeah. You know? Like and I think she has time. it girl qualities. I mean, I'm willing to hear of like her as an it girl. I just, like think that you're I'm sure you're totally valid. I just think that she, it's like she's so not the counterpart, and she's she's so, not the like, counterpart afterwards. You no, know? she comes afterwards, and like we discussed this in the first episode, like the sea punk, like digital yeah. Grimes, Azealia Banks, like that's when I feel yeah. like Sky Ferreira sort of emerged yes. out of like that in that hyper internet culture. She was like yeah. discovered either on MySpace or SoundCloud music, like. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why I think she's an it girl equally as much as I believe Azealia Banks and Grimes are actually it girls in a way mm-hmm. because they do traverse from like you came out of nowhere. Like there's yeah. this like yeah. traversing of the cast systems that I do think Sky Ferreira also exemplifies. Mm-hmm. I don't. But like that's all I can say about that. But See, I, I would say yeah. not on Sky Ferreira. I'm going to go back to the original question about Terry okay. Richardson being the counter word of Cobra saying not to be like not to be like <laughs> yeah, totally no. dismissive but that's just again like I see why you would say that I could that, see why you say that because there is no. 
Yeah. Right, because, like, it's flash photography and also, like, vice do's and don'ts. Like, there's yeah. also, like, the vice counterpart, which I will not get into. I will not yeah, talk not about vice. There. But we're not going there. I cannot. That's a full, bl- that is a 700-part series, and I yeah. don't have the energy to yeah. fucking, like, first start talking about Gavin McGinnis. Like, no. <laughs> slay no mama. Um, But, like, I will say that the counterpart for all of the – people out there that are wondering what the New York counterpart was. It was a party and a website called Misshapes. Oh, that's and true. That the Misshapes the were the counterpart. That Thank is you. the counterpart. Correct. Yes, they were New York. Absolutely. They were the New York party oh, people also, that took pictures also of their now, parties. Also now corporate DJs. Also now corporate DJs. As well the best are. Yes. So that is your answer. And yep. just to reiterate, Terry Richardson has my birthday August 14th he wow. isn't whatever you want to say you yeah. know underline this whatever you want to think about him he is an artist okay yeah there you go yeah and so uh, <laughs> maybe never trust my immediate social media responses which are going to be very affirmative yeah you responded and I was like Martha no I was like oh, let me take this one but I felt I felt no you're right <laughs> we got him on the hook and now we're gonna you know, yeah we're gonna addressing it on yeah. the pod Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, what's the next question? That was the next one I had okay. queued up. Okay. I have um, another one. one. Okay. Go off. Okay. This is like also an unanswerable question, but we will <laughs> an- attempt to give afraid. you a definitive answer. Yeah. Okay. What were Corey Kennedy's aspirations outside of modeling or whatever? What? And I can, <laughs> um, I mean? will answer that this way. I do not know. I have she no was idea. 15 years old <laughs> and her life was fully usurped. I don't know what her aspirations were. She's an incredibly private person. We, we cannot say. say. But I yeah. will say that, you know, Corey, if you're listening, what's your birth time? Yeah. <laughs> Just, we want to do a full what's chart. What's your birth time? You don't have to tell me, but like I do... I would love to know the rising. I can guess. I'm sure we could all swing some guesses from. What's your media guess? Appearances. Appearances. Well, I want to say my first. So immediately she's like, coming to mind is Gemini. Okay. So wait, or she's Aries. Aquarius. She's like a. Sun, she's first day of Capricorn Pisces now. She's Her February 21st. Yeah. yeah. But I like. Her son sometimes is Pisces. you can tell from people's like demeanor and the way that they look. What do you think my rising is? Well, you told. Us, oh actually, fuck! Clearly. Wait, I don't remember <laughs> what it what. Do you remember? It's Taurus. Okay. I'll Do I have, seem oh, like sense. a Taurus rising? I feel like, yeah. Well, I think you kind of like, I think you have like the Venusian. Mm, the Venusian. Looks, That's true. Know? That's true. It's like, That's I, true. Think, I think you can tell by the planet. Like, and are you Libra rising? I'm a Sag rising. Interesting. Yeah. So. Sag rising. In the Jupiter, Jupiter world. And what are you? You're yeah. Gemini rising. Virgo. Virgo. But also Mercury ruled, so I guess, yeah. Virgo oh, rising Sag moon. Sag moon. I don't have any gen. Oh no, I'm a, I have a Mars and Gemini. I have Mars Gemini too. No, everyone's short. Oh. I know. <laughs> Mars got it all committed to memory. Mars Gemini is hard for Leo, but it's yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, we don't talk about astrology. I am curious about a Mars Gemini experience though, because it's it is it's really music. intense. Yes. I don't know really what it means for me. Yeah. I'm really starting to get into what it means for me, and I'm like, wow, this is fully psychotic um okay so so we don't know this is also another unanswerable question but i will 
I will entertain the question. Okay. Because I think it can. Speculate. We can speculate. But I also I don't want to necessarily. But <laughs> the one of the questions was, is she okay these days? And I go, I'm going to say, yeah. Yeah. But also, who's okay these days? Sure. And yeah, define okay. Yeah, define okay. Yeah. She's alive. She has a full life. She yeah. has a career. She's, She's on Instagram. an air of mystery that totally. is intriguing to me. And, and we're and all others. obsessed with her. So yeah, yeah I think she's okay. <laughs> and she made, the, she made such a valuable cultural contribution. It's like, as far as I'm concerned, go off, do whatever you want. You're good. You can do whatever go like, off you want. You changed yeah. it all. You changed it all. And also, I think the, the question actually harkens back again to you're asking that because of the brutalization you <laughs> literally <laughs> went through being obsessed with her so. and like you inflicted self-pain yeah talking to i hope this isn't like assaulting to the person that asked this i don't know if this we is love, true for we you say this but compassion. i'm just saying i would ask that question if I really needed to confront, and I have mm. in many ways, but I, if I really needed to confront the brutalization I put myself through, True. through my deep idolatry of her, and that is the question. So the real question is, are you okay, listener? Or was question your teenage her. years usurped by the idea of fame and surveillance? That yes. is the question. That's between you and your God. You and your God. You yeah. and your therapist. You and your family. You yeah. and your notebook. Yeah. You and you your and art. Your <laughs> you and your mirror. You and your mirror and the sister in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I have to I say. I think that's beautiful. I think it harkens back to in college oftentimes to be a bitch. Like if someone was a little messy, I would say, does she need bread? But all along it was I who needed bread. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You, your stomach was crying out to me. I was the one that needed bread. Oh, my God. That's major. (laughs) And I just actually in real time had that realization because of your response. (laughs) Thank you, Ruby. (laughs) Because I really what I would say to Nick all the time, like, do you need bread or whatever? And you'd be like, ha ha, whatever. But it was I that needed bread. It was I. So if you had to endure me in college, consider that your apology. (laughs) 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 Self-awareness. That's as far as I'll go. Yeah. And that's fine. Do we have other questions? questions? Those are the ones I had. Um, I have others from Izzy. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. And then, I mean, she goes, uh, let's see. I like the discussion about L.A. upbringing versus New York upbringing. Um, Because sometimes when you see Corey Kennedy with your own eyes or in an interview, there's like a lack of, you know, like she doesn't really talk about herself Mm. or like articulate Mm -hmm. things. Um, in in a paper interview, the lack of substance in the paper interview was a good example of the two-dimensional element of some of LA's exports. Not so much a question, but definitely made me proud to be a New Yorker, (laughs) LMAO, because it is one thing native New Yorkers have. Oh, if it's one thing native New Yorkers have, it is substance because we're hearted from an early age and you have to truly learn to keep up with the grown-ups. So I guess she's um, just saying that (laughs) New York is better than LA. New York is better than LA. And that's an argument we can have all night long. Yeah, 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 and I don't really wish to have that, but yeah. I will say, I, and I think you guys did too, I'm assuming, uh, <laughs> I like ran for the hills, went the second I could out yep. of Los Angeles because Same. I definitely felt like the loudest girl in the county. So, yeah, yeah. I felt like the most 
I re- yeah, I really did run for the hills too. I remember people would be like, where are you going to college? And I'd be like, anywhere that's getting the hell out of here. Right. So, um, and also it's like, mind you, Corey Kennedy also moved to New York. <laughs> true. So I, I think, think she would also maybe feel very similar to your and friend. And I think that you. it's honestly less because living in New York, I I was disillusioned with certain elements or whatever. It's less of like a conversation about what is better, New York or LA, and which ways, how, which one is better and how, and more of like, what does New York mean to us as mm. an emblem of something growing up? in LA like Mm. it's to me it's more about the idea of New York than actually the experience of living there was for me Mm. I think that that's more significant yeah yeah of of an experience yeah teenage experience exactly I definitely think New Yorkers are like far more intense and intellectual just by nature uh I feel far more comfortable in New York um, but that's because like people will talk more than me and that makes me, I did, I did feel like they're growing up in LA. I really did feel like sometimes people were not talking. I will I, say that. I felt like I had no friends. Mm. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I mean, I just, I feel like I, I, I did have a lot of yeah. friends. Oh, okay, okay. But I didn't feel like. Like they were close or connected on the same. No. I didn't right. feel like I had people that I was really like, oh, these are my people for the sake of like, for the, at the expense of sounding trite. But like mm. until I got to college and okay. was in New York. I always, I feel like I felt the opposite. I was always the, I would come home to LA for some mm. break and I'd be like, this is for me. And I don't know. Wow. I don't know what it is. I think I literally was like, I think I'm the opposite. I think I'm, I'm qu- more quiet. I'm mm. like pretty, I, I'm not a very harsh personality. Mm. But I feel like when I am around a lot of that, I'm like, I can't take it. I think mm. I just didn't mm. have the constitution. Didn't have it. I mean, I, uh, I had, a, I've made so many intimate friendships in Los Angeles, but, mm. but I will say all of the people that, I'm like, wow, you're my person that I met in L.A. did eventually move out of L.A. to yeah, New York and true. spent like 10 years there and yeah. now we're back here. So, yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the mass. It's the mass questioning thing of mm-hmm. like the L.A. New York thing is like you're always going back and forth. You're just always going <laughs> back and forth. My mother was determined when she got out of L.A., to never come back mm-hmm. and she came fucking back to raise her own kid so it's like right. it's, it's just the classic yep. thing classic it's a classic thing a classic there's thing. a war as lana del rey says i've got a war in my mind <laughs> yeah we've and all it's got new york versus la <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and you can yeah you can laugh at that conversation all you want but it's we're real all, we're all it's having real. it and that's the thing is we're yeah. all the amount of conversation i have about new york versus la is on Real. Criminal. It's unreal. It's it's, it's yeah. criminal. I just des- we all deserve a million dollars. I mean, <laughs> it's insane. The convert. It's insane. It's true. But it's like yes, honey, gaga, mumu, nana. Like yes, you fucking New Yorkers rock. Like yeah, we love you, and you know it. You're Lady you Gaga. It. But I mean, I think it is. I think it's the perpetual. The star is we can stop. But I feel like yeah. it is the perpetual. Um, sort of burden of Los Angeles to be hated by everybody and be like what? Wait, mm-hmm. you guys, you're, why? Like San Francisco's like fucking Los Angeles and you're like yeah. 
Oh, we don't need I mean, do. there is not an amount of money that you could pay me to live in San Francisco yeah, right now. At the, in this day and age? Are you fucking no, kidding literally me? hell on Who's earth? Who's San Francisco? I Some think. people must be. <laughs> must be. I would sooner die. <laughs> I remember in, in high school, I, I spent like a month oh in San Francisco God. and it was the most depressed I'd ever been. And I remember looking at the BART tracks and was like, I'll just jump in. <laughs> and I remember I was like, I'll just jump in. And then uh-huh. I, the only thing inside me stopping myself from killing myself because of San Francisco was like it would say in the newspaper you died in San Francisco <laughs> and I was like you're right stay alive girl wow. and I was like you can't die in San Francisco oh my god you fucking cannot <laughs> Jesus Christ imagine being a ghost and having to haunt San, San Francisco, Francisco. what type of conversation yeah seriously get a Pieces of sourdough, honey. No thanks. Or I'll be an Amazon fresh. Like, I mean, just literally everything is just the embodiment of Amazon. I feel like it is the case. Like, um, I feel like cities are just getting closed up by money. Like, I felt that when I was in London. Yeah, it's like like the the shutters. Closed to me. This is too rich. Yeah. Yeah, London definitely. And I can't, I feel no. Yeah. It's so dense. I feel no access points besides like my neighborhood, literally. Yeah. I'm like, I wonder, I feel like the same thing is true of New York sometimes when I go. And definitely, like, definitely. Yeah. The soft parts where I can, like, put myself, it just feels like it's already... Like, mm. That's definitely That's what it feel felt like. Corona has mm. definitely sort of like shot New York in the face so um but like but it's in this like beautiful sort of like ugly beautiful Mm. stage right now but like who knows I you know then there's like news that Amazon is like building like buying all of the empty buildings that will never Mm. work buildings that will never be repopulated so it's like who knows but right now there is like a definite like New York in the 70s, whatever Uh feeling of like you can afford apartments Mm -hmm. again in areas that you couldn't a year Uh ago. But there is like a weird thing. Don't get any ideas, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, or I will personally. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else or is that the last one? I think that's it. That's kind of it. And then Nick Viola asked, where is my mind? Yeah, to which I say, I don't know. Good luck. Best of luck to you. Go piss, girl. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Cool. I mean, yeah. So, well, it's pretty good. It's about an episode length. <laughs> or two. Yeah. Or two. Or yeah. Two. Or two. Oh, we just did two. It's three and four. This is our 9-11. This is our 9-11. And honey, it might never. This, this is, is our, our 9-11. Corey Kennedy is our 9-11. And... <laughs> Honey, the and and now I'm in LA, so the we might never stop recording. I know. This. I, I mean, this is me. I mean, it's major territory. We're the yeah. exclusive scholars. Of We're this. the only people talking. We're about the only people. Yeah. Everyone. I mean, I say this most times we publish an app. I'm like, where is the scholarship on this? Yeah, there is no. There is no. Where's the writing? Where are the books? <laughs> this is our 9/11. Beforehand, right. Like, it's definitely like 9/11 in terms of. There's no research on it yet. <laughs> we just don't know what. There's no theories and there's no research on it yet, girls. This is our 9/11. Have to wait. Wow. Okay. Well, thanks well, for listening once again. Thank you for joining us. Um, 
I'm Ruby McAllister. Oh yeah, our names. Jesus, we didn't even intro this up, and that's fine. That's okay. It's Welcome fine. back. Welcome that was our back. intro. I'm Martha, and now it's over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Caitlin. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. That was it for the It Girl Theory Ruby McAllister collab of Corey Kennedy. We don't know if it will continue. It's a lifelong passion and project uh, for all of us. Um, so like stay tuned. There might be more in the future random side projects. I'll never stop being obsessed with you, Corey Kennedy. So I step with Pat to the Parker supermarket Her apartment best be messy And Lisa don't mind when I call her Leslie She's got a dress with class And Jean-Paul Gaultier in an Hermes bag And four-inch tips made of ostrich Sharp enough to slit her her lips spread gossip Won't say sorry when she offends She comes over to my place in the old man's bins In gold and silver and jewels of all colors And she doesn't take them off when we're tearing up the covers Come on, get it for a change, my Come on, kid, don't waste my time. So rich, so pretty. The best piece of ass in this whole damn city. So rich, so pretty.